the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Law Offices of Selwyn Whitehead is a debt relief agency under federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking debt relief under the United States Bankruptcy Code. This is Selwyn's Law. Every week at this time, we get to hear from Selwyn Whitehead. She's not just an attorney at law. Selwyn knows her stuff and doesn't shy away from the truth, even when it's ugly. Her Bay Area practice focuses on helping her clients to manage their wealth through estate and tax planning, to managing their debt through reconstruction or bankruptcy. And now, it's time for Selwyn's Law. Good day, and welcome once again to Selwyn's Law. My name is Selwyn Whitehead, and I'm a California Bar-admitted attorney, and I'm also a bankruptcy law certified specialist who's been certified by the State Bar of California's Board of Legal Specialization. And in addition to my JD, I also hold a couple of master's degrees in law, one as a master of the laws of taxation law and the other as a master of the laws of intellectual property laws. Now, both of my master's degrees in law were obtained from my favorite alma mater, Golden Gate University School of Law, which is located in beautiful downtown San Francisco. And because of my training, my experiences, and my interests and my area of expertise, I primarily practice bankruptcy law, debt wealth management, estates and trust, real estate, and taxation law. And I'm proud to say that as part of my practice, I'm sometimes able to seek out opportunities to vindicate the rights of seniors who find themselves the victims of financial elder abuse that's running rampant in our country today as more and more of us baby boomers fall into retirement land, or at least the age of retirement, and people think that they have the right to take our ac- access, our assets, and take our resources from us without our permission. Can't do that. I am, as always, so pleased to be able to come to you again today from the beautiful KFAX studios in the beautiful San Francisco Bay Area to discuss some of the financial and legal issues confronting individuals, families, and small business owners. However, As always, once again, I must ask you to please note that this show does not provide any legal advice, nor am I developing an attorney-client relationship with anyone within the sound of my voice. Instead, this show strives strictly to serve as an educational forum for the exchange of information that might be helpful to you as you begin your search for more detailed information that is tailored to your specific set of facts and circumstances and hopefully provide you with an outline of some of the issues that may help you seek out and find qualified professional help. That is because, as I'm known for saying, representing yourself in a legal matter is just like taking a butter knife to a gunfight. If you're lucky, you can get real, real close to your adversary and scratch her on the arm. Or if she's uh, unaware, you might even get even closer and poke her in the eye. But more than likely, you're the one that's going to be dead on arrival. That is to say, your valid claim and your lawful defenses will likely see the promised land way before you do. So 
Once again, I must share with you the purpose of Selwyn's Law here on KFAX. In case you haven't guessed it, it's to discuss the law related to your money and unfortunately, more often than not, the lack thereof and your overall finances and what you need to consider to protect your families or your small business's financial health, wealth, and money-related well-being, as I understand these concepts, in this non-threatening educational forum. Now, the last few times we've been together, we have continued our discussion of what I call Bankruptcy 101 by, again, providing a 30,000-foot overview of what bankruptcy is. And once again, bankruptcy is a federal legal procedure that can be used by individuals, families, large and small businesses, and state governmental units or subdivisions that are insolvent. That is to say, they owe more money than they're able to pay. So, in effect, bankruptcies can slow down the debt collection process, and that slowing down of the process may allow a qualified debtor to be released from all or part of her debts. However, bankruptcies can also be used by individuals, families, large and small businesses, and governmental units, again, state governmental units, who may be solvent on paper, but may lack the sufficient liquidity to pay their debts as they come due. In the case of solvent debtors, they may seek out the time in the bankruptcy process to allow him, her, it, or them to gain the necessary liquidity to pay some or all of their debts. Now, regardless of the cause of the financial distress or insolvency, as the case may be, the laws concerning bankruptcy provide the remedy that is spelled out in Article One, Section 8 of the United States Constitution, which in effect cedes to the United States Congress, that is to say the legislative branch of our federal government, the power among other listed powers to establish uniform laws on the subject of bankruptcy throughout the United States. And these uniform laws on the subject of bankruptcies are currently manifest in the United States Bankruptcy Code, the U.S. Federal Rules of Bankruptcy Procedures, and among the appropriate federal and state statutes and federal and state case law dealing with the relationship of and the rights and duties of debtors and their creditors. So today I want to focus on another key player in the bankruptcy case, who is also provided by our United States Constitution. They are provided some protection by the uh, United States Constitution, and that is to say the debtor's creditors. Now, these are the entities to whom the debtor owes money or some form of equity and who, as a result of the defaulting debt obligation, they want to get repaid. And most creditors just want to get repaid. There is a public policy-based hierarchical pecking order in the bankruptcy code that dictates the priority in which creditors get repaid through the bankruptcy process which is a proxy for how a creditor is to get paid, if at all, in bankruptcy. Now, in first position, 
are the debtor's secured creditors, such as entities holding notes or deeds of trust or some form of lien or some form of uniform commercial code filing or some form of statutory lien, uh, such as from a governmental agency or a levy, such as from the Internal Revenue Service or the Franchise Tax Board, such as a mortgage or a deed of trust or a pink slip on the debtor's automobile or unpaid portion of some extraordinary contract. So ex, I can't say that word today. Executory contract. That's like a lease. That means that there's um, remaining duties on both sides of the contract. And in, sometimes in a commercial lease, uh, the person taking out the lease, the, the tenant, has to sign some kind of document giving the lessor, the landlord, a security interest. And um, so you'll see this language in um, defaulted commercial leases. So these are secured creditors in bankruptcy. They either get paid the amount that's owed or they get their collateral back. So, again, unless there's something special about these secured creditors and their secured debt, that will allow the debtor to modify or strip away part of or all of or avoid some or all of the value of the applicable lien or security interest. These debts must be repaid in full even after the bankruptcy case is resolved because these liens or security interests survive or pass through the bankruptcy. However, if these secured debts are delinquent at the time of the filing of the bankruptcy case, the debtor may, if he or she or it wants to keep the property, the debtor is able, as part of her bankruptcy reorganization plan, she's allowed the opportunity to to catch up on her missed payments while under the protection of the bankruptcy court and thereby cure the default on these secured debts. So, for example, the debtor is behind in her automobile payments by uh, three, four, five, six months because she uh, was ill. And, and, and <laughs> unfortunately, she worked for a company that didn't provide her with um, health insurance. So she had to take care of herself. She got behind in automobile payments, filed for bankruptcy. And although the uh, creditor, the person that holds the pink slip on the car, might want to repossess the car, she files for bankruptcy if she can pay up. That those six months payment while staying current with the payments, uh, bankruptcy might be able to help her keep the automobile and the creditor also get the monies that he or she or it or they are due. Now, another type of creditor uh, in a bankruptcy is a general unsecured creditor, such as a family friend or a relative or a credit card company that doesn't have a security interest uh, in the uh, property that is being bought with the credit. And basically, the debtor has duty to repay the borrowed money or uh, repay the obligation and that obligation is manifest either by an oral or written contract that is undertaken without the creation or filing of a lien or other security interest. Now, depending on the type of bankruptcy case that's filed, coupled with the debtor's overall financial situation and prospects at the time of filing, including her ability to fund her reasonable living expenses out of her post 
filing monthly income, some or all of her unsecured debt might may end up being discharged at the conclusion of the debtor's case. Now, the public policy rationale for putting these creditors at the hind end of the debt repayment food chain is that these creditors are presumed to have had the wherewithal to make rational lending decisions, that is to say the underwriting decisions, and chose to lend money to the debtor on an unsecured basis with a full understanding of the risk of not being repaid. Now, there are also some special classes of unsecured creditors that, for public policy reasons, take priority over the general unsecured creditors. And I've already discussed these in past um, sessions together. And so we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, I'm going to go a little bit deeper into the public policy reasons for protecting creditors. Stay tuned. back to Selwyn's Law. Once again, your host, Selwyn Whitehead. Welcome back to Selwyn's Law as we continue our discussion, that is to say today's topic, uh, Bankruptcy 101, and that is how the bankruptcy court protects creditors. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but when I was growing up, not only did someone have to tell me how to do something, they had to tell me why it was that I had to do it. So I'm that way even as a lawyer. Um, you know, I like to get into the public policy rationale for why it is the bankruptcy code, if I'm practicing bankruptcy law or real estate related uh, statutes, uh, why it is that it's important. So that I'm going to spend the rest of today's show talking uh, about that after I recap now. Again, we're talking about creditors, and there is a waterfall hierarchy of how they get paid out of a, uh, a debtor's bankruptcy. Secured creditors either get what they're due or they get their collateral back, your house or your car. And then there's special kind of creditors that are known as priority general unsecured creditors, that is to say, um, primarily it's child support alimony, taxing authorities, and um, so they get paid, uh, you know, higher after secured creditors if there's something left over, the priority uh, taxing, um, uh, the priority debtors get paid next. And then there's a whole class of general unsecured creditors who might not get anything depending on what's left over after the distribution. But I want to talk about why it is that um, creditors are protected in bankruptcy and how it is they are. Now, I've given you the rationale for why it is that uh, debtors are uh, offered the opportunity to file a bankruptcy case and go- come under the protection of the bankruptcy court, and that has to do with um, Article One, uh, Section 8, of the United States Constitution. But there's also constitutional provisions that protect creditors. And the two main clauses are the due process and the takings clause. Uh, So my primary source material for this part of our discussion is um, one of the treatises that I use almost on a daily basis to help me understand and um, um, articulate to my client and to the court why it is I believe my client is entitled to some kind of protection. And the treatise that I use most often is uh, Bloomberg Law's Bankruptcy Treatise Part 
12 special issues, chapter 526, constitutional issues in bankruptcy. Now, the United States Constitution grants Congress the authority to make uniform laws on the subject of bankruptcies throughout the United States. This power, like other great substantive powers of Congress, is subject to the Fifth Amendment. Now, the taking clause of the Fifth Amendment prohibits the taking of private property without just compensation. So, in effect, the Fifth Amendment commands that however great the nation's need, private property shall not be thus taken even for wholly public use without just compensation. If the public interest requires and permits the taking of property of individual mortgagees in order to relieve the necessities of the individual mortgager, resort must be had to the proceeding by eminent domain so that through taxation, the burden of the relief afforded the public interest may be borne by the public. And that comes from a case called Louisville Joint Stockland Bank versus Radford. It was the United States Supreme Court that was decided way back in 1935. And you're saying, what is taking eminent domain? It kind of sounds like what's going on uh, on the national level with um, a fence being built to keep certain people out out of our country and, and, and the government wants to take uh, a land and people are fighting over that, over what's just compensation. Well, you know, if you think about it at a higher level, if the bankruptcy process and the bankruptcy code has this hierarchy of priorities where creditors get um, uh, paid back with at the hind end of the process, a general unsecured creditor ends up with nothing, there is, in effect, a taking. And even secured creditors, if their um, their interest gets stripped down, crammed down, or avoided via a process uh, uh, allowed them into the bankruptcy code, that, on the surface, is a taking. So, one part of the Constitution says you can do something, and another part of the Constitution says you can't do something. So how is it that bankruptcy allows a debtor to pay 50 cents on the dollar, 10 cents on the dollar, strip away a wholly unsecured second or third mortgage, although it is secured, it's based on the value of the entity of the asset that's being stripped down. But isn't that still a taking? Well, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But again, for strictly public policy reasons that I've talked to you about on other shows, we need to have the backstop of a bankruptcy to give individuals and entities a feeling of comfort that if they risk everything to create a business that creates jobs 
or a family unit comes together in order to raise children and grandchildren and have them housed in a house that they borrow on credit and driven to and from school in a car that is derived uh, from credit, we need to have the bankruptcy process. So that means that sometimes two equally important constitutional rights, one must yield to the other to make it applicable. So what is an additional uh, mechanism to protect creditors? Okay, so we have the due process clause of the Fifth Amendment also serves to protect secured creditors in bankruptcy. And that is to say property rights do not gain any absolute inviolability in bankruptcy courts because created and protected by state law. This is from a case called Wright versus Union Centric Life Insurance. So most property rights are created and protected, but if Congress is acting within its bankruptcy power, it may authorize the bankruptcy court to affect these property rights, providing the limitation of due process. That is to say that creditors have a right to be informed that the debtor is in bankruptcy. They have a right to come into the bankruptcy and speak their piece They have the right to come into the bankruptcy and object to the uh, debtor's plan, if it's a reorganization plan, from being uh, confirmed by the court. They have a right to put their claims in so they can take a distribution. And so why is this important? Well, I sometimes find myself in my practice trying to help uh, my clients when I'm representing a debtor figure out why it is what they thought happened in the case that they filed two or three times before is not working. For example, if you don't let your creditors know you're in bankruptcy and give them an opportunity to be heard in your case, why should they dis- be, be forced to discharge your debt? Okay, think, think about this now. Some people, for some reason, they don't want to list all their creditors, which I've had some people try to explain to me why that made sense. And I remember one time somebody says, well, I like my my um, X card because I'm I'm current with them. They they give me better terms than my Y card. So I want to discharge my Y card. And uh, so I'm not going to list my X card because I want to keep them. Well, First off, you have a duty to list all of your assets, all of your liabilities, all of your income, and all of your expenses if you're going to be the kind of person that's um, allowed to be in bankruptcy. So if you list all of your assets, that means your car, your house, no matter where located, even up on the moon or down at the bottom of the sea, your liabilities, that means all of your creditors, all of your creditors. And it's not because, um, well, it is because you have to uh, list them, but it also helps you make sure that they receive notice. Because if, like this illogical logic was explained to me, I like my X card and I want to keep them, and then you fall behind on your X card, you didn't list them in the bankruptcy, and then you got your discharge, well, you're not necessarily discharged of any debt that's associated with a creditor that you did not notify. 
during your bankruptcy. And how do you notify them? You list them on the schedules, and actually the court will notify them if they're listed. That's so important. And why is that important? They're entitled. Your creditors are entitled to due process. Just like when you get sued, you're entitled to due process. You know, they, they have to serve you. In effect, because we're talking about a federal lawsuit, you have to serve your creditors. And if you don't serve your creditors and they don't have notice of the bankruptcy, you're denying them their due process rights under the Fifth Amendment. So, you know, we're going to leave it there for now. And I think when we come back next time, we're going to take this subject up and go into it in a little bit more detail. But as always in closing here on Selwyn's Law, we want to stay on the right side of the law, including the laws of the bankruptcy court and the bankruptcy code and its positive effect not only on the debtors, but also on creditors. Till next time, take care. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Selwyn's Law. Remember, the law office of Selwyn Whitehead is a designated debt relief agency under the federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking relief under the bankruptcy code. When it comes to your finances and your rights, seek no other than the law office of Selwyn Whitehead. Selwyn is your go-to finance attorney, specializing in estate planning, wealth management, bankruptcy, tax, and real estate law. In other words, Selwyn knows her way around the dollar, and your rights are protected by our laws. Protect your money. Know your rights. Partner with Selwyn Whitehead. For immediate assistance, or if you have questions, call 510-633-1276, 510-633-1276, or go to selwynwhitehead.com. The preceding paid program is sponsored by the Law Office of Selwyn Whitehead, who is solely responsible for its content. 